We are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. Hey everybody, it's Daniel Gutierrez, aka Danny Goods, at dgutierrez84 on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much anything, but I'm only on Twitter. Uh, and then you, I'm in for my partner, Andy. Uh, he's at producer BTW, we call him producer, by the way. Um, and unfortunately, we could get together for this intro, but trust me, I am very honored for today's uh, to introduce today's guest, which I will get to in one moment. But first off, thank you all for joining us again. If you've been with us for almost a year now, we started this about a year ago with the intention of just educating ourselves. We were investing in the space. We were very passionate about bitcoin and and cryptocurrencies in general but we just didn't understand you know what was behind it how did it work so we've been lucky enough that throughout this past year we've been talking to people working in this space uh, people who are part of the history of the space people who have moved markets uh and it's been a pleasure we've learned a lot more we feel we're no longer as average as we used to be uh so we may change it up next year we don't know but um, continue to, to listen, continue to let us know what it is that we should be looking out for, what should we be looking at in terms of technology, in terms of some sort of protocol, uh, anything, you name it, we're all ears. We are the Coin Boys at thecoinboys.com if you want to email us. we are. If you just go to thecoinboys.com, you can listen to us, you can rate, subscribe, and review us on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud. It's all right there at the Coin Boys. You can even follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, we are very active on there and very responsive to anybody who has a question, anybody who has something to say. We are definitely all ears because we're trying to create a community and uh, be as positive as we can. Because, of course, there are some stigmas to this place. We're in the middle of a bear market. People are constantly looking down on us. But we know that this is definitely the future. Um, the one thing that I do want to say is if this is your first time listening to us, Welcome. Join. Uh, join us. Um, don't be a fanboy. Don't stick to just one thing because it's not going to be one thing to rule them all. There are going to be many things to uh, do certain different aspects. So listen, be prepared. Uh, be prepared to jump ship if you have to. I mean, not everything's going to make it. But even if something fails, something from that project may continue to move forward. And that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, we're very, very excited for next year. A lot of changes are going to be made. And I and I truly personally feel that next year, a lot of the projects that we were hoping for to come through to, to make it um, are going to start showing signs of life. So next year, let's, let's keep an eye out for that. Um, but on to the main and most important part. Folks, our guest today is a man by the name of Aaron Lasher. And he is one of the co-founders of BRD, uh, which was formerly known as Bread. It is a wallet on your phone, and it's become a lot more than when I first started using it. In fact, Bread, as it was known at the time, was the first wallet that I ever used uh, for Bitcoin. And then it just expanded and grew and grew. And we were lucky enough to talk to Aaron. This man knows so much. Uh, I really want to have him on again because just of his knowledge, just to pick his brain a little bit more, we only had a limited amount of time with him, but man, it was an amazing amount of time. I can't thank him enough. Um, take a listen, 
learn. If you have more questions, he's definitely open to to answering more questions again in the future. So let us know. Um, but without further ado, Aaron Lasher with BRD. BRD is a uh, secure and simple uh, cryptocurrency wallet that lives on your phone. It started as a Bitcoin wallet. Uh, as the industry grew, uh, we started adding some other coins. But uh, our target market is new users. So we try to give people a tool so that they can introduce uh, their grandmother or their friends uh, into the crazy world of cryptocurrency. And the um, one thing that sets us apart is that uh, we're what's called non-custodial, meaning we as a company don't actually have any access um, or visibility into users' funds. We don't know our users' names. Um, we're really just giving them a tool so that they themselves can uh, secure and control their their money. Yeah, actually, uh, I pr- I don't have a lot of experience with your app, but actually, Daniel, yeah, no, does. I've been I've been. That's why I called it Bread because when I downloaded it, it was Bread <laughs> um, at the time, and and I did notice that over 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 time, it went from just being the Bitcoin wallet into then I got an Ethereum wallet, then I got a Bitcoin Cash wallet, and now I see that you have a ton of wallets that I can add on there. Yeah, we we just um, we just kind of followed the um, the market. Uh, you know, something I always say um, is that we all have our individual um, feelings and biases, and uh, a lot of us are just old school Bitcoin fans. Um, but at the same time, we're we're business people too, uh, and we have a real company with real shareholders. And so, um, you know, we make many decisions based on market signals. Uh, regardless of what we individually might, you know, feel about something. So, for instance, we have, you know, we have coins in the wallet that I myself would never own. Um, it's really up to the user to to do the research and decide what they want to um, take part in. I want to learn a little bit about you. Uh, what kind of background did you have before you you joined this project? Uh, just to give our audience a little background on you. Uh, I was born in the U.S., but I grew up in uh, Belgium. Um, oh. After graduating high school, yeah, my my parents had it. My dad had a job over there. It's so, so um, it's so interesting though. A lot of the people that we interview have this uh, has a very similar story that yeah. are, that are in this, they they were born one place, grew up in another, like completely different countries, and I feel that that they've gravitated toward crypto very easily. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe I have a um, a theory for why that is, and I, I can I can sort of. Yeah, I can dig it. I'll dig it up because as I as I get further down the down the line, and I I won't dwell on my personal story too long, um, but there's a point at which I think I can dig that one back up, and maybe um, we can have a conversation about that. Uh, so I, I spent my formative years in in Belgium, uh, which was really cool. I, I went to an international school and met lots of uh, different people from different backgrounds, and um, still you know, maintain those friends to this day. Uh, after high school, I went to um, I went to college at uh, Northwestern in Chicago. Uh, I double majored in mathematics and psychology, which at the time I didn't really have a good answer for why, but sort of ties perfectly into cryptocurrency when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I did something a little quirky. I, um, I went sailing around the world for two years with my friends. We started a, uh, a nonprofit where we wrote articles for schools. Um, so we got on this 30-year-old, 43-foot sailboat and um, did a circumnav over uh, to a circumnavigation over two years. Wow. Oh my God. That's that, amazing. Yeah. And that's actually where I think I got really primed um, to be receptive to Bitcoin because we, what we would do is, um, you know, we went to, on, on that trip, we went to maybe 30 or 40 countries. And every country is a pain in the butt because 
we have to exchange dollars for that local currency. And in many of these countries, um, they they highly regulate their capital flows, and so they'll have these government run government run exchange booths where um, you can get local currency for your dollars, but um, the exchange rate is terrible. And then you can go to the the street, and there'll be vendors everywhere happy to change your money. Um, you'll get four or five times what you would have um, at the official kiosk. And so I just started thinking more flexibly about uh, government or sovereign currencies um, a little more irreverently uh, because I think we, as citizens, you grow up and you you get this feeling of um, like trust and importance when you look at a piece of money or a dollar or, or coin. It has all this symbolism and, and clever wording and you just have this sort of... Uh, it, it commands a certain amount of respect, but I started to realize that a lot of that is just good marketing. And I got really interested in what makes um, money work and how fiat currencies work under the hood. Um, for instance, for, for the average person, it, it's, it feels, money feels very much like you're using um, notes and coins. What I mean by that is, you, let's say you work a job and you get paid every two weeks. And then if you spend your money, um, then the money goes out of your account and you don't have it anymore. Correct. And it really just feels like you're, you're giving and taking coins or, or it's, the same, it's the same experience as if um, you were buying, you know, buying food on the street um, with, uh, with physical dollars. Uh, but it's actually not the case. And that's, that's what got me so interested in money is that uh, there's, this, there's this crazy mechanism under the hood by which um, dollars or euros or yen, any fiat currency, by which the money supply expands and or contracts. You know, usually it expands, but um, during uh, recessions, people start paying off debt and that actually destroys money. That, that's what's so crazy is the money can actually disappear. Um, and all of this is well-known economics. If you go to uh, any any university and you study economics, this is, this is, this is not under dispute. Though this isn't some kind of crazy conspiracy theory, but what what really struck me about it um, is that it has some implications that are important to everybody, but almost nobody cares or or spends the time to sort of take a closer look. Um, so I had I had already kind of uh, written off fiat currencies uh, as a bad idea by the time I discovered Bitcoin in um, 2011, and. Very early on. Very early on. We're we're also. I'm like 2012. We're very early adopters too. So that's cool. That was a good year. Class of 2012. I mean, yep. got, yeah. I am in the class of 2012. Nice. Nice <laughs> to meet you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Respect. You yeah. too, man. 2011. But, wow. But so, by the t so you had already been on in search for something different by the time then, if that's the case. Right. So hard hard money was interesting to me and when i say hard i mean a money that is more or less more or less fixed in supply or grows at a very slow rate i mean the obvious example is gold um but the problem is you can't really have a um a fiat currency that's that's fixed in supply both because of the mechanics of um the uh the, the, what i discussed earlier where the way banks issue loans actually creates money um, I mean, that happened when we had a gold standard too. So it's not like gold is this um, panacea uh, against uh, monetary inflation. Um, but uh, I just, I kind of 
had been thinking about what what would the ideal currency look like? What would a, what would a perfect global currency um, what properties would it have? And sure enough, it would, in my opinion, be limited in supply. Um, it would be it would have very fine denominations. So um, the the ability to send a, a very small fraction of this currency. Uh, it would be as easy to send as an email. Um, it would be trustworthy, meaning you don't actually have to put your trust uh, in somebody to not monkey with the uh, with the mechanics, uh, and so on and so forth. There's probably ten or fifteen of these properties that you can um, you can come up with. And I saw Bitcoin. I, I thought, wow, that that just hits. It gets an A on almost everything. Um, you know, it does have some uh, some yeah, issues. It's got its limitations. I, uh, it just it was so close to what I was kind of dreaming of that I was immediately drawn in. Yeah, that's that's how how you came about in, in loving Bitcoin. That's essentially how I came about. Um, I had used it for gambling at first because I wanted to gamble, but I didn't realize what I was using. I didn't realize how valuable that piece of technology was. And um, somebody had, had said, hey, have you looked into the dollar? <laughs> and <laughs> have you looked into what's backing it by chance? And I went, no. And I looked into it and I went, what is this? <laughs> like I felt like I had been lied to my whole life about um about what we thought the dollar was. I thought it was cool. I was like, wow, this is really cool. This is digital money. You know, I always say the story where I saw the the magician on Reddit that yeah. says magical internet money. To me, that yeah. drawed me in <laughs> just in that quote and that drawing. And I was hooked. And and back in those days, it was so much. You know, there wasn't the 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 cloudiness of social media and the muck. People just really wanted to figure this thing out. Yeah. I mean, the point is, um, you get drawn in through either research or a Microsoft Paint drawing. One of the two happens. <laughs> and Microsoft Paint wins for me. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, yeah. So you know, so that's so interesting how you had already came to that conclusion. What were some of the like? So is this what you were coming back to in terms of? Uh, what we were kind of pointing out that a lot of people who were born in one country and lived in another and then moved around uh, kind of naturally gravitated. Is this, for, uh, this this is all through your observations from going to, from country to country? Right. I, yeah, I didn't really bring that one home. So I, no, I no think worries. the way I would word it, I think the way I would word it, um, and this is no disrespect to people who have lived in one place their whole lives. Um, sometimes I wish that were the case for me. Um, by the way, I live in Miami now, which is amazing. So if you guys are ever in town, come say hi. But one of the downsides of uh, not moving is that you um, get very prone to certain traditions. And one of the nice things about uh, traveling a lot or living in different places um, is you notice little things that you take for granted uh, just aren't the case everywhere. I mean, anything from uh, as subtle as you know whether or not you tip, right? If you go to go to France and you tip more than a euro, then they just know you're a tourist and I mean, they're happy to take your money, but that's not the custom. Mm -hmm. um, up to something as advanced as if you, you know, put your feet up in the wrong, you know, facing the wrong direction, it could mortally offend somebody. Um, and what what I think that does is it sort of breaks people out of this um, standard thinking where you're more receptive to crazy ideas because uh, you realize that just because you're used to something doesn't actually mean that it's normal or that's the way it has to be. And so when you travel, you see all these different currencies, these different cultures, and you think, well, yeah, maybe, maybe the money we have everywhere does actually suck. Like that's a, that is a possibility. That, and, that's, and once you're open to it, then, then you can start to begin your, your journey down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I think that's where we all kind of came to. That's why we're all here. We realize, I think money sucks. So you have to 
kind of figure we're trying to figure something else out at this point so uh what what brought you to to uh, getting to onto the brd project i met the original author of what was then bread wallet yes um in uh early 2013 uh his name's aaron boisine we became friends um he was already starting to think about creating a really simple bitcoin wallet because everything then was made for geeks by geeks and the um, it was really hard to find a way to introduce new people uh so that was the problem he was solving he launched it in actually 2014 in, in a certain way but really 2015 is when um he teamed up with the now ceo adam trademan and they started raising money uh by that point my my modest investment in 2011 had become a also also modest um angel fund if you will so i was making some some investments and uh, i was actually uh, brd's first investor um i was lucky enough they asked me to to sit on their board um you know this is this is something that's kind of bittersweet is back in back in 2015 I, or 2014 maybe um i actually uh starting in 2013 i had a, a blog and it was like very Bitcoiner centric, and I I really encourage you not to go there because it's all like super embarrassing. <laughs> well, then I won't okay. ask you the website, but if you could tell us, that would be great. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. But buyer buy beware, because I mean I only agree with like half of what I wrote. Um, I was just I was just trying to express myself. It's a realvirtualcurrency.com. Oh, nice. The, uh, it's still up, and I leave it up just to keep myself honest. That's so, cool. That's cool. I'm gonna I, check it out now. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for yeah. sharing that, man. You'll you'll hate it. Just don't, <laughs> yeah, don't even bother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe maybe take a peek and let me know what you think. Oh yeah. Um. So the uh, yeah. Actually, back then I was I was writing these blogs and um, just by by nature of that, doing a lot of networking. A lot of people reached out to me, and I became friends um, with them through this through this little project. Um, and for a time, I, I was you know kind of a very modestly important person in the Bitcoin world. Like people knew my name. Um, now that, that has since changed because the industry has totally exploded. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the level of like Eric Voorhees or Roger Veer or these guys who were there early and kind of maintained a, um, a presence. I've always sort of been like a, like a B player. Um, but I am here and I, I do work in the wings. Um, anyway, it's probably, probably better. You know, there's <laughs> there's an Oscar for best supporting actor, yeah. so it's probably much better this way. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I I can be nominated for that. <laughs> the um, the uh, I was I was I was lucky enough that um, the two co-founders asked me to be a third co-founder and to join their board. So I also sit on the board of of BRD, and um, I've been with the company in in to some degree throughout its entire um, its entire life. A lot of that was fundraising. Uh, so we did a we did a C round, uh, sorry, a seed round, then an A round, and then a token sale. And um, you know there might be there might be more in the future. Uh, so that again is sort of a silent, invisible thing that I I do for the company. Um, and then they actually hired me in um, April 2017 to be their CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. I was totally unqualified, but. Um, uh, if, if at risk of being immodest, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at just picking up something and running with it. Um, and I have that reputation and I, I I'm, cool. I'm proud of my tenure as CMO. I did it for about a year. Um, once the company grew from then five to it was coming up on maybe 40, um, I realized that it was just too big for me. So I, I hired someone else who's smarter and better at marketing to take over my job. 
And then I assume the role of chief strategy officer, because really there's nowhere else for me to go. And I don't know entirely what my job role is, but um, as far as I can tell, I'm, I'm really busy and no one's mad at me. Uh, so I think I'm doing a decent job. <laughs> well, That's great. I will say just your history alone on, uh, and the reason, the reason for this uh, and what, what about what, what what was it about the bread wallet that really intrigued you that that you really wanted to jump on board with this? Yeah, what was special to you? Well, I, w- I was first of all a user myself, so I really liked it, and I had an emotional attachment to the product. But my real aha moment was when I was just rolling the tape forward on the crypto market and thinking about. I know it's a common comparison, like the internet boom. Um, how you had all this experimentation and it just, it wasn't clear how it was going to, it was going to pan out, but I mean, now it's so obvious in, in 2020 hindsight, 2020. Um, what, what I started thinking was, wow, when Google, when Google launched, people were really, really skeptical. They were like, we already have Alta Vista. We already have Lycos. We already have Yahoo search. Why do we need another search engine? Search engines are boring. They don't make any money. And I thought the and name kind, I thought the name was so silly too. I, I felt yeah, the same like, way. How can you take them seriously? Google? Like, like I was like, okay. I always thought Yahoo was gonna be like the main the main name in the in the game, and right? Google came out of nowhere. If you think about it, this is just my opinion. Yahoo is very similar name to a Google name. It's like Yahoo had the cool weird name that no one would ever think of as a company, and then mm-hmm. Google comes out of left field with this name Google. Yeah. Now now it's a dictionary word, you know? It's crazy. But yeah. I the I can we see where you're going with that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I I'm very fascinated with early internet history. So anytime it's brought up, I love talking about. It. Yeah, it was not obvious, but it was obvious to someone, and that was Google. They knew exactly what they were doing, mm-hmm. and they they figured out that if you can own the window to the internet, you can do anything, and they did. Likewise, I think there's That's going true. to be a Google-like um, company. A couple, but like one big one that comes out of crypto, which will be the window to crypto. And uh, I think it will be a, a decentralized wallet. I mean, I, I have reasons for that, um, but there's sort of, I don't know, technical slash esoteric slash might be wrong. Um, I mean, by the same vein, it could be it could be an exchange or, or you know, web-based custodial wallet. That's possible. I just, I don't think that's actually the long play. Um, but the thing that really got me kind of like hairs on the back of my neck tingling was I thought, what does a world look like when a simple wallet holds hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars um, on behalf of its customers or protects, I should say, because again, we're not, we don't hold those funds, but we do, we do protect them. Um, You know, it starts to look a little bit like a bank and that's kind of cool because banking hasn't really been disrupted. Um, it is an old uh, technology, the actual mechanics of banking, specifically retail banking and investment banking. Um, it, it might be due for a shakeup. And the future could see like a backdoor attack on banks um, via a simple crypto wallet that morphs into something else, right? Because Google Google's more than a search engine, right? And I think BRD is more than a wallet. Um, so we're thinking very strategically about how how that success w- might look and how to get there. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think there will be like a Google of crypto. And I think that that, I think that company exists today. And I, I believe it, it is a wallet. That's oh excellent. Excellent point. I, and I agree with you. There's uh, the only, the thing that's going to be 
the most successful is the thing that that allows us to transfer between coins easily within our own wallet. I and that also, would be absolutely amazing. I also think what's important to mention is that a wallet can be on your phone and there's billions of phones in the world. So that's a good reason as well Versus is that it's, it's access to it. You know, it's like, how fast is it? You know, er, you do everything on your phone, you know, so. The, uh, that's wonderful. So, um, so what is bread doing now? I know it started as a, as a Bitcoin wallet, but where, where, where is it at now in your opinion? We are uh, becoming a full service um, financial platform. That's kind of a dry term, but what I mean by that is we would like you to be able to do anything with your BRD wallet that you can do with um, your dollars today. So if you want to pay for something, if you want to earn your wages, if you want to pay your bills, if you want to take out a loan, if you want to issue a loan, um, if you want to just buy Bitcoin or sell Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these other currencies, if you want to trade them, anything. If you want to do anything that you, you today you're like, oh, I got to go to my use my bank account. Um, I think in the future you can do it with, with your crypto wallet. Now, it's a really, really steep climb because the way you do it is by um, bolting on. So just to be clear, our core, our core competency is the ability to safely store, send and receive uh, cryptocurrency. That's what we do. We give you this little miniature vault in your pocket where your money's your own. If you want to do something with your money, we can't help you with that because we never want to touch the money. That's that's sort of our secret sauce is by never touching the money, um, we don't we don't fall under many of these regulations. So we don't have any KYC requirements. Why is that? Because we never touch customer money. Right. Um, we give them a tool and it's a, we're a software company. So they can use our tool to, to do whatever they want, but but we're not in charge of asking them to give us their ID because uh, we don't have reporting requirements. To maintain that, uh, let's say someone wants to buy Bitcoin. The way we accomplish that is we, we partner with somebody. So right now we have, for instance, partnerships with um, Glidera, if you want to link a US bank account, or Simplex, if you want to use a credit card. And when you use that, it feels native in the app because we've integrated it, but you're actually leaving the app and going and working with them and they do the KYC on you if they need to, um, which they do. And then um, that burden falls on the partners, whereas we get to sort of float happily um, in the ether and simply offer our customers these, these little windows to different services that they might want to use around the globe. So part of it is the partnership model, just building out these, um, building out these uh, integrations to, so that you can do everything. Um, and then... You know, there's a bunch of other uh, sort of tactical things you have to do along the way to make sure that um, you're still serving the markets that you, you're shooting for. That's that's genius. Um, that's amazing. I I I, I liked I, bread from the beginning, and now that I'm speaking to you, I or BRD, I should say, and and it's I still have my faith in it, which is a huge deal for us. So. I have a question for you, just generally, because you know there's so much, there's a lot of scary things. There might be ICOs that you don't trust, but how how important is it? Like, I really respect a lot of the companies that are doing what you're a software company. You're not, you're you're kind of helping the industry and doing things. Like, is it safer for you as a software company in the cryptocurrency industry? Is basically the question. Well, there, you know, there's upsides and downsides. Uh, look at Coinbase. Right, they're crushing it mm -hmm. um, to an extent. Uh, look at Binance, they're crushing it to an extent. Um, more so 
eight months ago than today, but they're still doing really well. Um, you know, maybe maybe we're the dummies, um, but I do um, I do see those kinds of services, uh, for instance, as a little more um, like the you know you're the internet guy like the ISPs uh, in the beginning they were the only ones making any money uh, just the the rails to the internet um, it wasn't until Google's and Facebook's and Twitter's and whatever came along that um, the real money in, in tech uh, started to be made. I guess it's just like, because I, I find like, you know, I'll be honest because I have been on our podcast is that I'm kind of wary of using things like Binance and keeping a lot of things on there. And, you know, a company like that, they're doing really well. But with your company, you're doing just software. So there's a safety to that. Like you said, you don't, you don't, you, you can kind of be in this ether where you're kind of floating safely and providing a software that, that not only protects people, but you're not digging in too deep where, you know, because SEC in America is attacking companies. This is, that's what I'm saying, like safety. Like, or do you feel like jobs, like, do you feel like tomorrow somebody could shut you down? Yeah, your Coinbase's and finances, they're doing well, but they are not software companies. Okay. They make software, but um, they are exchanges slash digital currency banks. And um, that means that it is, hard for them. so coinbase is a little more by the book anytime they want to punch into a new geography they got to drop another five ten million just on compliance just to get started um takes a long time it's slow uh finance just kind of free wheels on and as they get i don't know banned or shut down they just kind of go somewhere else and thumb their nose and i, I think that's kind of fun too you know uh props to cz for just like doing it and you know, seeing if they can get them um no, yeah, no, no hard feelings to either of these companies. The advantage we have, I think, is that we're somewhere in the middle where we get the advantage of very aggressively being able to go anywhere, um, but also we can provide services. So, like, let's say, for example, um, a regulated uh, uh, exchange, Bitcoin exchange, pops up in the Middle East, right? No, none, there are none today, but there, there will be soon. Um, if Coinbase wants to go compete with them, that's a big headache. That's just going to suck. And you know they'll probably try, and it'll it'll take them a year or two years before they they cross the T's and dot the I's. Um, we can we can fly in there and say, "Hello, um, new exchange. Looks like you're doing great. Would you like to integrate with us and get access to our Middle East customers?" And also, um, it, it is actually it's a good value prop for the um, exchanges too, because by saying, "Look, we're going to give." Uh, use something to recommend your customers to take their money out and hold it themselves. It removes a lot of liability from the exchange. And in summary, we're di- we're we're n- more nimble. Um, so if we're competing globally, which we are, then the uh, that that is where we're going to start. I think closing the gap with the larger regulated players, because it is so hard for them to enter new geography. We can just we can just jump on in um, and get started much more quickly. Uh, that. I think that's our differentiator where it's it's gonna it's like it's gonna make or break our hypotheses. Uh but we're we're pretty comfortable with the position we're in. We as a software company, we, we have very little overhead for regulatory um issues. You know, we do have lawyers and they, they kind of make sure that we're not doing anything silly. Um we don't we good. don't fear that's, getting, that's good. getting that's shut actually, down. That's very reassuring. That's actually um and it's really cool how yeah, you can provide through an app, you can absolutely provide access to certain to certain things that that for some reason they don't have access to it in their country just through the through your global app um 
which is definitely a great advantage. Uh, I wanted to go to wallets in general because you don't have every uh, everything on your wallet, although you're really close. It looks like on, on according to this uh, according to all the list that I'm looking at. But um, what are some uh, what are some big mistakes that you feel the public is doing with their wallet right now? Is there is there anything that you find that that a lot of people mess up on? It's 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 such an ironic um, dynamic because people people don't want to be responsible for their own money. And going back to customs and tradition, people are not used to it. Um, when you hold your own Bitcoin, then there's really no one to appeal to if you screw it up. And a lot of people find that kind of scary. The good news is that signing up with our wallet, for instance, is way easier than signing up for a bank account. And securing your wallet is actually super duper easy. Just for your for your listeners who aren't aware, you can download our wallet, say start a new wallet. It'll give you 12 random words that have never before been in that order, um, only for you. No one else sees it, including us. You just write those words down and you put it in a safe or a safe place and you're good to go. That's all, that's all you have to do. And yet, that one little thing, people people are just so... Yeah. Um, determined to skip they just don't want to write down 12 words. it's so easy and so important and the, i mean a lot of it a lot of it's just an education piece getting people to understand exactly why they have to do this um and that it's not the same as your bank account where if you lose your password you just tell them and they give you a new one or whatever the the bar is pretty high like everything has to be one click or two steps or less and people just don't want to deal with putting any effort in is there um Bread is pretty user friendly as is right now. BRD, BRD is BRD. is really user friendly as it is right now. But is there any steps that you guys are trying to go to to make it even more user friendly? Yes. So specifically, this addresses the issue of the uh, twelve words, also known as the paper key. We are working on a a way so that someone can store their store their paper key encrypted with us in a really specialized piece of hardware um, that can then be retrieved under certain circumstances by that person. So we're actually trying to even that. make it easier to, to reduce that step. Um, it's a, it's a very like, it's a very in-depth security exercise. Uh, so we don't take it lightly and we're never going to actually have access to people's um, private keys. Uh, there'll be an, an encrypted, strongly encrypted format. So the, uh, every, everything should be, um, should be just as safe. But yeah, we're working on that right now, and it's it's a pretty cool project that our CTO has taken on under his wing. Yeah, one of the things that we find uh, troubling when we try to introduce people into the space and teach them about it is is they once we get to that wallet part, they and the seed words and all that, they just kind of give up. Yeah. And so it's um, of course we want adoption, we want use. That's the whole point why why, why we're doing this podcast is we're promoting that. Uh, so in order to do that, we need these wallets to to definitely get easier and easier to use. But I always recommend. Uh, brd anyways because uh, again it is really easy to, to use but you got to still get those 12 uh paper words down I, I did have a question about um going between currencies in 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 the exchange um i haven't done so yet in terms of exchanging currencies um is it similar to uh that i set my a price that i want to buy or sell it at or is it just i say i would like this many of whatever and then i get that many of whatever it's the latter. So you just say how much, um, let's say you want to change BTC for ETH. 
uh, you just go to trade, assuming you have some BTC. Um, you say, I can't remember if it's either how much you want to spend in BTC or how much ETH you want to get. I, I think we actually kind of change it from time to time to depending on how people use it, um, like A-B testing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's the latter where you just say you want it and then um, you get... Uh, yeah, you get you get the amount, you know, minus minus the fee. Where do you guys see the ceiling here? What is the future hold in the next five years for you guys? What are you? What is your outlook? That's a good question. Um, so the goal in the immediate term is uh, growth and revenue. So we do consider ourselves a, a viable company, and we we like to uh, hit profitability in the next year or so. Um, the uh, the end game is it's just going to be it's going to be insane because you're going to, you're not going to have five or tens of millions of people entering the space. You're going to have hundreds of millions or five hundreds of millions. And eventually a billion plus um, people are going to start getting involved in, in this space in digital currency. It's going to, it's just going to become an asset class um, like any other stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, digital currency. Right. Yeah. And, and, and one of the reasons I'll come, I'll come back to our goals. But one of the reasons that is, is because at least right now, it's super uncorrelated. And for that fact alone, it doesn't even matter whether it goes up. Just the fact that it doesn't move with other things, like stocks or bonds or real estate, um, makes it really valuable to asset managers. And it's an incredible diversification tool just because it marches to the beat of its own drummer. So that'll allow it a foothold in the portfolio traditions where people will start saying, yeah, you should have 1% of your money in, in Bitcoin. Of course, everyone knows that. Uh, I think that, that'll, be, that'll be common uh, in the next five years. Oh. But uh, yeah, long-term, I, I really think it's going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry. And there's Absolutely. a lot of stuff that I can't even envision because I know it's just going to surprise us the way the internet did. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that more people are going to be involved and that the tech is going to keep evolving super rapidly. More smart people are going to get hacking on this stuff and it's by far and away the most interesting thing happening in the world today uh, i don't know what else i would do i mean there's, there's no other industry that's as interesting as crypto uh just because of all the all the potential and, and opportunity and you guys have currently you have the brd token that um we can get through the wallet and also on, it's on binance, on binance believe, as well right um what is what is going to be the goal with the brd token that's a great question. Uh, so our token is designed as the base unit for our loyalty and rewards program. The the ultimate manifestation of that is um, if you're familiar with the Binance Coin model, where you if you hold BNB and you trade, you'll get lower fees and it'll just deduct a little bit of BNB. Um, that's been a very successful model. So we're doing that with oh. BRD. It's oh, a little wow. more technically challenging because um, we're a decentralized wallet. I mean, it's much easier for an exchange that does does all its accounting internally. For us, all our accounting is transparent and external because we use the blockchains. Um, so that's one half. And the other half is we took something from the airline industry about um, and hotel industry with tiers. So the more tokens you hold, the higher your tier. Those tiers never change, which is which will probably result in some interesting dynamics over time. <laughs> uh, and then they get different uh, perks, at access, and discounts depending on, on what tier they're at. Now, to be to be totally transparent, um, this is not installed yet. And uh, it, every day that it's not, it kills me. But we have, even though we're 50 people, we, we're still resource constrained. And 
you know, a lot of prioritization goes into the product and making sure that the quality is there. And it's stuff like that, that Wait, you guys are only 50 re- people. Like I felt like you guys had a lot more work on, on, it's a great product. So you guys are only 50 people. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you put it that way because some <laughs> people think that's a lot and some people think it's a little, yeah, it's just 50 and maybe, um, maybe 30, 34 of them are engineers. Oh, wow. Well, the, so we, we have the, the structure for the rewards already done. And the, the, only, the only two pieces that are not complete from the conceptual point are we're still debating about some perks and how we can deliver them and um, how much resources it'll take and timing. Um, and then secondly, the prioritization of the perks. So which, which ones come out first? Um, and that's a combination of both impact, like how much we think people will like it, uh, multiplied by how low the fruit is hanging. Um, so something that's extremely easy and low hanging, we're likely to do just because we can knock it out quickly. Um, whereas some things might be much more high impact, but take two, three months and two developers, three developers working on it. Um, right now, like my, my job. So I kind of joked about my role. I do actually know what my, what my job is. And one of them is, um, I'm in charge of the rewards program and it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy burden to bear because that means. Um, I'm also responsible for delivering this to our token holders who were promised it and who continue to ask for it, and rightfully so. Um, you know, they're impatient, I'm impatient. And so a lot of what I do is is run around the company um, trying to negotiate the the token utility into our prioritization of other things um, so that it so that it gets done and not just kind of forgotten about. Um, that's a lot of what I do right now is internal advocacy for, um, for the utility program. That's awesome. awesome. And uh, my last question is, because you mentioned you grew up in Belgium, what is like one fun thing you could remember from your experience growing up there? I I would come um, back to the U.S. <clears throat> excuse me in the summers, so I, I did get a little bit of both, and it made me appreciate this one thing even more. Um, in the United States, you can drive at sixteen, but you're not supposed to drink till you're twenty-one. Whereas in Belgium. You could go to the bar at 16, but you couldn't drive till you were 18. So I just have wonderful memories of being in high school, like 10th or 11th grade, being legally at the bar. And the best part was everyone there had to have their parents pick them up and, and drop them off. So it was like a, like a birthday party, you know, the way your parents drop you off and pick you up. Like, oh, my mom's here. I got to go. But you're all, you know, sitting around having drinks like a bunch of adults. So that inversion, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. And everyone was safe. No one drove drunk. Guys, I hope you learned as much as I did from that interview. Um, it was mind-blowing, honestly, learning from him, listening to him. And it's nice because he comes from a standpoint of somebody who just believes in the wallet as well as the technology, but he wasn't necessarily specific to just one project because he's prepared for all of the projects or preparing himself for as many of the projects as possible uh, just in case. He doesn't know the future either. Um, I am very excited to see where BRD goes in the future. Thank you all once again for joining us. Uh, Go to thecoinbuzz.com or find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Just type in CoinBoys. We're all over that. And um, hopefully you guys come back again. Find us, rate us, subscribe us, review us, talk to us. There is a phone number, by the way. If you go to the contact part of the uh, 
of our website at the Coden Boys, uh, thecodenboys.com. Um, there's a phone number. I'm not going to say if you find it great, you can actually call us and leave a leave a message. Nobody's done it yet, and I really hope somebody does. Um, I think it would be fun. And we are going to do a bit, a few more changes for next year. Uh, we are open to some possible suggestions for changes, but we have an idea of what we want to do for next year. So um, let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. And once again, thank you so much for joining us here on The Coin Boys. Mm-hmm.